Witness history this year at the French Open, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch it. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. It's three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off. We'll see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if fresh faces rise to the challenge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it all goes down. It's that time again. Welcome back into another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, Jacob Sersosimo, and today you are listening on the Believe Podcast Network. Now, we got a good show for you today. We're going to talk a lot about the French Open, a lot about Roland Garros, and a lot about Novak Djokovic making it to his or winning his 19th Grand Slam. Now, he is only one behind the GOAT, as people call him, Roger Federer, or the GOAT, as people call him, Rafael Nadal. Now, this French Open was different for many reasons. Not only did the fans have to leave early on some nights, but someone other than Rafael Nadal won the tournament. So there was a lot of different things that happened this year, and we're going to kind of break it down for you right here in this episode. We're going to talk a lot about what happened in Paris and how it kind of played out and give you my thoughts on what kind of went down to have Novak Djokovic win the French Open? Now, I'm just going to put this out there right now. I kind of told you so because I picked Novak Djokovic to win this tournament. Now, I understand that's not like the boldest pick ever because he's number one in the world. And if anybody was going to beat Rafa, it was going to be Joker. And he played a perfect match. And I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. But I was right. So I'm going to give myself a pat on the back for that. Um, let's go right to it. Let's go right to the semifinal match between Novak Djokovic and Rafael Nadal. Now, this match was really good. Um, I watched a vast majority of this match, plus or minus maybe a game, and the whole thing was really good. In the first set, uh, it looked like classic Rafa on clay. He dominated, 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 and it seemed like Djokovic couldn't really get it going. But really, if you pay attention to the first set of this match, there was a clear turning point, and it was when... Rafa was up about five games to one, and it was obvious that Rafa was going to win the first set. But Novak starts going on a little bit of a run. He wins his serve. He breaks Rafa. Next thing you know, it's 5-3 in the first set. Now, granted, Rafa does go on to win that first set 6-3, but in my eyes, when I was watching this first set, that was a turning point because that is there's no reason Novak should have broke Rafa there in the first set other than him feeling himself and feeling the way the match is going to go, and then also gearing up for a big second and third set. And that's exactly what he did because he flips the script in the second set, ends up winning 6-3, and then the third set of this match was really the decider. I know it's best three out of five, but the third set took so much out of both of these players. And towards the end of the third set, you could really start to see Rafa start breaking down just a little bit, just a little bit. I think John McEnroe even said like, this is unlike Nadal. He looks tired right now. He he looks a little exhausted. And he did. Um, I, I don't want to admit that Rafa might have not been feeling his best towards the end of that match. But he straight up got tired towards the end of this match. And 
once you get tired and once you kind of open that door for Novak and someone with the skill set of Novak, he's going to step on your throat and he's going to keep going. I mean, he is he is going to go tenfold of what he was doing. He is going to be so much better and he is not going to show any mercy. And that's how the good players do it. Rafa's done it to thousands of people before. Novak's done it to thousands of people, but that's exactly what happened in this match. Now, the third set tiebreak was interesting because looked like Novak was going to win the set, and then all of a sudden here comes Rafa, and then they kind of go back and forth, then they go to a tiebreak, and then during the tiebreak, it's a little back and forth. But Novak, I don't want to say lucky, but Novak squealed out of that third set with a win because if that goes Rafa's way, this is a completely different story. They might go five. Novak might feel bad after that third set and lose his confidence, and maybe it Rafa wins in four. That third set was clearly the turning point. And I know you could say, well, that's obvious because that – set put someone up two sets to one yeah but the third set took so much out of both of them like it was a sheer battle the third set was and so for an or for Djokovic to get out of that third set in a tiebreaker just elevated him and then next thing you know Nadal takes a, a medical break and some they cut they cut the tape off his foot and then he's limping a little bit and he looks tired and all this stuff starts happening and then Nadal gets pancaked in the four sets and ends up losing six two so Djokovic takes this one in four sets, and it, it was interesting in the fact of this match was kind of long. It wasn't a five-setter, but it was a heavyweight match, and going into the final, you knew whoever came out of this match was going to be a little banged up, and Novak was getting into the final. He started off pretty slow against uh, Stefano Tsitsipas, and we'll get to that in a second, but this was a heavyweight matchup. I remember watching this and thinking, Wow, how lucky am I to be able to watch these two warriors go at it, um, not only at the French Open, but just these two guys just played this level of tennis and me be able to witness this. Because who knows the next time, the big three, we have to just be very appreciative of what they're doing for the sport of tennis. So I, I just enjoy watching them play. I enjoy watching them play each other. But man, was this a heavyweight matchup. When you watch this match, this match was straight... Heavy ball after heavy ball, immaculate shot after immaculate shot. I like there's shots that just make you go, wow, I cannot believe he got it. Like he got that, or I cannot believe he made that happen, or I cannot believe he made it to that ball. The whole match was phenomenal. It lived up to its hype in my eyes, and I'm glad we got to see it. It's just a bummer it wasn't the final because it definitely should have been the final. And the final was a really good match, and I'll get that, and I'll get to that in a second here. A couple other cool things that happened during this uh, semifinal match that I got to mention is they let the fans stay past curfew. And the reason I, I don't know a whole lot about the COVID situation over in Paris, but the reason I thought this was a big deal is because the whole tournament, this has kind of been a distraction and fans not wanting to leave. And like I said, this match was such a heavyweight match. Such a heavyweight match. It was such a good match. Why would you ever want to leave a Djokovic-Nadal match, especially in a semifinal of a French Open on clay where Djokovic is playing well? So after the third set, they end up making the announcement that the fans are going to stay. Now, I don't know who made that decision, how they made that decision, and what kind of went into that decision, but I think it was the right decision because the fans started chanting at one of the changeovers saying, we're not leaving, we're not leaving, we're not leaving, or we're staying, or whatever they may have chanted. Chanted something along those lines. And to get all those fans out of there, there would have been a fair amount of those fans that would have been like, no, you can have the military come pick me up and take me out. Or, you know, this is worth going to jail for a night if 
I get to watch the rest of this match. And then next thing you know, you have a super big delay on whatever the match is, and it's just a huge distraction. So I am glad they let the fans stay. I'm glad it was uh, the match it was. They didn't stay for long because the last set was so short. But that was another interesting decision that was made in Paris and at the French Open that night, especially the semifinals, that I was like, hmm, I didn't know they could just do that. Now, I'm sure there was a lot more logistics to the decision, but from a viewer here in America, I was like, seems like they just were like, eh, we'll let them stay tonight. Now, the reason that match went that late and ended up getting to the point where the curfew was is because the prior match was the other semifinal, and it went way longer than expected. It went five sets, and it wasn't as thrilling of a match that the next semifinal was, which was the Nadal-Djokovic, and it wasn't as thrilling a match as the final was, but nevertheless, it went five sets. Now, Stefano Tsitsipas went up 6-3, 6-3 in the first two sets here, and it kind of looked like he was just going to run with it. But Alexander Sverev does this thing where... He either plays really good or really bad. And some you saw it at the U.S. Open this year where he played good early and then he tightened up. Well, here he tightened up early and then played really well later. So after Sitsipas wins the first two sets, 6-3, 6-3, Zverev starts playing well. He wins 6-4, 6-4 in the next two sets. And then in the fifth set, Sitsipas kind of runs away with it 6-3. So it's kind of just like uh, Sitsipas plays well, Zverev plays well, Sitsipas crushes the last set. Um bringing Tsitsipas to his first ever Grand Slam final in the French Open. But this match went uncomfortably long, unnecessarily long in my eyes. But I guess that's why you play the game. You got to get everybody a chance. But it was a good semifinal. It, I mean, when you compare it to the other semifinal, not just the score, but when you compare the level of play to the other semifinal, it's almost like, no. Like, it's not even the same. And even they said on the broadcast, what are, you, what are you doing if you're Stefano Tsitsipas at home watching this match? And I think Courier or um, McEnroe said something along the lines of like, uh, I have to play one of these guys? That's what you're thinking right now if you're Tsitsipas sitting at home. Because the level of tennis in that second semifinal was just phenomenal. Like, absolutely phenomenal. Um, let's get to the final. Why wait any longer? I think the final is worth talking a lot about because the final was very interesting. And it had some drama like always. And there's a lot to talk about, so let's get right into it. Stefano Tsitsipas comes out to a riveting two sets to love lead. Wins the first set in a tiebreaker, uh, 8-6 in the tiebreaker, and then wins the second set, 6-2. But after that, Novak really found his groove, and it was kind of a turning point in that third set, obviously. But spoiler alert, Novak goes on to win 6-3, 6-2, 6-4. Now, what happened in this match is... It just seemed like Novak wasn't completely there in the first couple of sets. He lets the first set kind of roll off, you know, roll out of him, and he doesn't win that set. And then all of a sudden, you know, down big in the second set. Hey, let's focus on the third. But even I, I think Maria Shriver said it on the broadcast that when she's talked to Novak, Novak in the past against younger players, he's more confident in the match going five sets. If he loses the first two sets, he's not terribly concerned because. He knows he can outlast them, and he knows that he can outplay them in the last few sets. Now, for someone to say that at you know, 34, 35 years old is phenomenal, but that's the reason why he's number one in the world. And so this match ends up going five sets. It ends up going the distance. It's over four hours long, and it's a battle. There was a lot of times where Novak looked really bad early on in this match. But there's a lot of times where he looked really good. Same with Sitsipas. Sitsipas looked really good in the first couple sets. And even in the last three, there was a few times 
that he showed he showed up and it looked like he was going to come in and win this match. But the moral of the story is Novak Djokovic is number one in the world for a reason. And he's just too tough to really give any windows to. And Stefano Tsitsipas gave him windows. Now, there was no lack of drama in this match. When you look at um, the roof at Roland Garros at Philippe Chatrier, and the roof is like coming over a little bit. So there was a big shadow for a little bit. Then they start turning on the lights, and the players are like, why are you turn on the lights? It's so bright outside. Um, why are these lights coming on? Well, it's a shadow, and then the lights are distracting them. So the lighting part of it was uncomfortable and not good. I'm just going to say it was not good because it was not good. Um, another big drama point was the fans were very loud in this match. Um, they were very loud, very outspoken, very cheery, which that's what you'd kind of expect in a Grand Slam final. And I think the players enjoy that to an extent. Um, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because the timer for the serve, I believe it's around 25 seconds or 30 seconds. I believe it's 25 seconds since um, the umpire reads the score. So the timer, there's a few times they got a, a few violations. And Novak's been known to get violations, but Tsitsipas got a few. And the problem is, is sometimes the fans yell so much that it's hard to really get in your rhythm early on in the serve clock. And so it takes you longer. But the other big problem is is the court at Philippe Chatrier is large. It's a large court. And they mentioned this on the broadcast as well. And now with COVID, no one can bring you your towel. So you have to go get your towel. And so it takes longer. And for going to get the towel and coming back and then getting ready to serve, and if the fans are yelling, you run out of time. And these players are getting warnings for it. There should be extra time because players have to go get their towel. And they mentioned that's why Novak Djokovic went to using his shirt a lot more now because he just doesn't have time to go get his towel. And I don't think that should be that should penalize them. Give them five more seconds. If they can go to their towel for five seconds, so be it. Let that be it. Or give the ball persons a stick and they put the towel on a stick. Something like that. I don't know. I don't know what the solution is necessarily. I don't mind that stick idea. I just came up with it. But they should be able to have more time to serve, especially in a focus match. Now, I'm just saying that now, once the towel situation kind of gets figured out, probably not. But the fans, it wasn't so much the fans. It was more the towel situation. And, you know, it's a big match. They were dialed in and focused. But Novak goes on to win his 19th Grand Slam title. He is just one behind Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal. And in my eyes, he's going to win more than that. He's on, the, he's on the pace to get the calendar Grand Slam. He's got his second career Grand Slam. And as I mean career Grand Slam, I mean he's won all four majors at least twice, which is phenomenal. He gets a second Roland Garros title with this title in Paris. And Novak Djokovic is looking unstoppable at this point. And to me, he seems to be the favorite in all the Grand Slams moving forward. Um, this was a chance for Rafa to really go to number 21. I don't know if he'll be able to go to 21 this year. He's he'd have to win. He's not going to win Wimbledon, and he'd have to win the U.S. Open. So it's going to be an uphill battle for both Roger and Rafa to win number 21. And the way that Novak Djokovic is playing right now is too good. There's no other way to explain it other than too good. And so he's at 19. He's right behind him. He's on the doorstep. For a while there, he was three behind Roger, four behind Roger. 
and well behind Nadal. But guess what? He's caught both of them. And for people that don't like Novak, and I think there's a fair amount of people out there who don't like Novak, um, he is creeping up to be the greatest of all time. He has a great head-to-head record against both these great players, and he is gearing up to be the GOAT of the sport of tennis. Um, Just give him a few more majors if that's how you technically judge who's the best player in the sport of tennis. Um, I want to carry on to who do I think played really good at Roland Garros in this recap, and who do I think played bad, who impressed me, who didn't impress me. I'm going to go with people who impressed me. I think Sitsipas impressed me tremendously. Um, he The way he played in the final, sometimes he likes to choke up and not, not play as well. He he stepped up and played well in the final, and he said in the post, post-match press conference that he believes he can play at a high level like this, and he'll be back. Absolutely you will, man. He played absolutely incredible. Um, Berrettini ends up making it to the quarters. Granted, he didn't have to play uh, Roger Federer, and so he ends up making it to the quarters, but he loses to Novak. Someone who really impressed me is Lorenzo Musetti. He is just kind of getting onto the scene of tennis here. He is a 19-year-old from Italy, and he just turned pro in 2019, but man, is he good. He literally almost beat Novak Djokovic in the round of 16. He ended up going five sets with him. So I I think he's someone to definitely watch moving forward. Lorenzo Musetti, he really impressed me at the French Open. He could be the next major clay court player um, if it comes down to it. Uh, people who dis- that I was disappointed in who kind of didn't play well this tournament and I thought they'd play better. Uh, for obvious reasons, I'm going to go Dominic Team. Dominic Team ended up losing in the first round of this tournament. Yeah, you heard me. First round, he loses to Andujar, Pablo Andujar. Um, and Andujar loses the next round. So I was disappointed in the way that team played. I don't think he played very well. And it was just, you know, for someone to, ma- to make, a, make a run, you expect team to make a run at the French Open. He's done it before, and you expect it now. But Ever since he won that U.S. Open, he hasn't necessarily been playing great. So that was kind of disappointing to see. And then obviously you got guys like Taylor Fritz who loses in the second round. You have guys like Alex De Manure who also loses in the second round. Um, some of those young guys just didn't play well on clay. But maybe they're turning it around for a great gra- or a great grass court season, which is legit like right now. So grass comes fast at you when you play French Open first and Roland Garros, but that's the show. That's the recap. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. There was a lot to kind of get down to in some of those matches. Overall, a fantastic Roland Garros tournament. I'm glad I got to watch a majority of it, and it was just really impressive stuff from Novak Djokovic. There's a reason he's number one in the world right now. Sit back, grab your popcorn, and watch the big three battle that out for the best tennis player ever. Because who knows if we'll ever be able to experience what we're experiencing right now in our lifetime. Because it is phenomenal what Roger Federer, Novak Djokovic, and Rafael Nadal are doing for the sport of tennis. And are doing just in general in the world of sport. Because three of the best to ever play the sport all playing at the same time against each other. Heavy hitters and just immaculate games going up head-to-head. Heavyweight battles, I tell you. Heavyweight battles, especially what we saw in the semifinals at this year's Roland Garros. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. You can catch me on social media at Jacob Sersosimo or at Believe Podcasts. 
Um, gearing up for a big season two. We got grass coming up here soon, and Roger Federer is about to make a big push. We'll talk way more about that next week on the podcast. Stay safe out there. Watch some tennis. There's some grass court tournaments going on right now. So maybe turn them on. Check them out. There's some big, impressive things happening, including some upsets that I'll talk about next week. Thanks for listening. Take care. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.